This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Welcome to the wine situation. Amped up. Amped up. Uh, This is the wine situation where we find out what people's situation is. With wine. Mm-hmm. That's Ellen Clifford over there. She's the Mademoiselle de Palette. She is a WSET diploma enrollee. Yeah. <laughs> She's a master psalm from Quarter Masters. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I'm a master. Certified. I'm applying for advance. They're not going to let me in this year. No. Good for you, though. Yeah. That's I, like, Sean... I like to be forward thinking with your wine developments. You know, just got to throw my name in the exactly. basket. <laughs> Basket of Psalms. That's that's Sean Bacoltz. He is the wine whisperer. He looks into your soul and is like, "Mm, your soul feels like mandus or a ganache. A mandus? Oh, I like that. That's a good one. A little Savoy. 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 Uh, He has passed his intro at the Court Masters. He uh, helped open the fine establishment we are recording at, Bar Covell. Two times in a row. Two times in a row. It's very exciting. I like our new home. It's I like it. so barry. It's comfortable. It's so dim and like chill. Barry and chill. Well, it's mm. a little light out right now. Yeah, but it yeah. is. We're we're doing this is the happy hour version. Yeah, of exactly. the show. <laughs> and what else? Oh, and you worked with Greg Condas. I was trying to get through your credits. There you go. We um, did it. We did it. We did it. We did it. <laughs> you guys, now we can do the show. Uh, Aren't you excited? What are we do? I am because we're doing what? Hip sip tip. Hip sip tip. Do you have one? I do have one. Ooh, I want to hear. Well, it's a bottle fermented. Galera, which we all know Ooh, is yes. what used to be called Prosecco. Yes. This is grown in McLaren Vale, Australia. Oh. It's really, really They're, tasty. Those crazy Aussies. Those crazy Aussies. Bottle and fermented, like, so is it like a pet gnat? It's or? a pet gnat. A pet gnat. <laughs> they, they put that wine in the bottle before it finished uh-huh. fermenting and let those bubbles build. Yeah, exactly. It's such a risk to do pet gnats. It is a risk. Because they're like, yeah, we don't know. know. It may not. It may be still wine and just nasty. It may not be good. Yeah. But, there, but this one's good. It's really good, yeah. yeah. Uh, box and dice. Yeah, we, yeah, that's how I found it. We have oh, it shit. right now. Box and dice. It's mm. very good. How about you? Mine is, I, I was thinking I was going to do grappa, because oh. in the spirits section of the diploma program, so been tasting all sorts of things I never drink, like grappa, which is really interesting because they make it from discarded skins <laughs> of mm-hmm. wine that's been made. So it's, it's they, so Italian. It, it's they're just recycling the shit out of that yeah. shit. The, when we had that recycle episode, we should have. <laughs> well, we should have done that. <laughs> we yeah, should have done that. But um, the first grappa I had, I was I smelled it, thought I'll hate this. I drank it and was like, this is fucking delicious. Got some at home so I could practice and was like, this is also delicious. It was uh, gavi de gavi. So, mm, um, yeah. but then my practice group last night had another one and it was nasty as hell. It was like perfume in a bottle um so i guess it depends what grape they make it but in general my grappa experiences have been very positive now is it true that they also can put like flowers and other spices and things in there too (sighs) other than the grape skins maybe in the finishing see i clearly haven't finished studying all my fruit brandies yeah (laughs) Yeah. i can get like super perfume like grandma's potpourri i think sometimes that's the grapes they use sure yeah because they like to use like gewurztraminer they like to use musket that makes sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, I think. We, wait, I could be totally wrong on all that. I feel like they just could put anything in there. They could I put think like, they can. Like, like an old hobo shoe. Yes. Actually, they did specify like, old hobo shoe. Yeah, bits, New bits hobo of, shoe, no. Bits of pigeon. Oh, gross. <laughs> That's not vegetarian. <laughs> I can't drink crop anymore. Fermented. 
Well, okay, yes. If it's fermented and if it's distilled, fermented, if you it's, can drink if it. If it's distilled and bottled at the appropriate appropriate proof, then it's all okay. Fermented bits of pigeon. Oh, That's God. what grappa is, you guys. Well, stop! Don't Let's ruin start my that head. rumor. I'm never drinking grappa. All of our friends in Italy, you're uh, going to be rolling and laughing. I think this is the appropriate time to get past our hips. <laughs> okay, yeah. Of, that was the hips, hip tip, guys. Uh, grappa, possibly, and bottle fermented glare from Australia. Yeah. Box and... Wait. Bucks and dice. Bucks and dice. Bucks and dice. Bucks and dice. Dice and bucks. Bucks and dice. I'm super jazzed for today's guest because I first saw her doing stand up and she brought the house down. I'm not kidding. We whoop were like, whoop. she's amazing. She has essays published in hashtag nasty women everywhere and wifey.tv and the Rutledge Encyclopedia of Modernism. And she's just a funny as hell stand up who also has her uh, one woman show coming up, I think. This may be aired afterwards, but if it's not, it's November 10th and 11th, I believe. Uh, this is Diana Dinnerman. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. We're thanks, excited. Thanks for coming into this little bar and, you know, talking into microphones. Bar. Oh, you've been here before? Mm-hmm, many okay. times. Great. Cool. There we go. My parents yeah. like it, too. I brought them. Awesome. Everyone should bring their parents to come. Bring out. your parents. It's actually a fun, it's a fun parent thing if your parents like wine, I they guess. They do. But, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for coming back. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Congrats on the um, upcoming... Yeah. Is, it's a one-woman show, correct? right? Yes, it's okay. a solo show. Oh, so my gosh. it's just me. Just you. Is it a part of a series? Or is it just going up at a theater? It's going up at a theater. Cool. What theater? The Lyric Hyperion. It's oh, a good one in Silver Lake. theater. Yeah. It's a beautiful space. I did a play there <laughs> years ago as I well. I no. went there looking at spaces when I did my one-woman <laughs> show. <laughs> Their rent is steep. <laughs> But it's a good place. Yeah, I'm really happy to be working there and working with the producing team at See What Sticks that I'm working with. And um, I have a wonderful director and I'm very excited to share the work. Well, cool. Maybe we should have some wine while we discuss. We should. You said you liked uh, Lush Reds, so Mm -hmm. we think we picked something that that will be... I think it will speak to the time of day because it's a little early. That's true. So we don't want to go too heavy, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. And um, it definitely has some nice fruit to it. Have we had it? It's from Chile? Uh, I've had it before. I don't, have you had it? I know. I was saying, have we ever had Chilean wine on the pod? Oh. I don't think I we don't have. I don't think we have. We haven't had a Carmenere on here? No. From Chile? You are our first. Ooh, sacrilege. Uh, um, I can't believe it. This is great. That. I like Chilean wines. Well, this is a Chilean Cinso, which is even more bizarre. Yeah. Okay. It's a Never great had one of those. Neither have I. <laughs> I think Sean's the only one. This is a first times for everybody. Since I was a red grape and Chile is pretty warm, so I think it should be lush. Normally you see Cinso in like uh, the Southern Rhone or maybe South of France. It's a little bit in, it's, you're seeing it more out of South Africa these days. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited That's that they're. That's true. And it is, who makes it? Gulp. Gloop. It literally, I'll put a picture of the bottle. Well, so far it looks very drinkable. It does. It does looks it look very. Lush? I wouldn't. It, it just looks, looks like cherry Kool Aid. It looks like party wine. It's party wine. It looks like, yeah, it does. It looks like Kool-Aid. It does say gulp on it. Yeah. Or does it say, wait, it says gloop. Uh, Longavi, I think, is the actual um, winemaker. I read it as gulp. I I mean, as one, glup glup is not a word. (laughs) Gulp Gulp is not a word, yeah. Oh, you're right. It is called glup. This whole time I was reading it as gulp. I'm glad I'm here to set everyone straight. Cheers. Get in here, David. Cheers, guys. David's cheersing with us. Yeah, he's drinking the wine. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. It's spicy. Spicy, bright red fruit. Described as lush, but it's ripe. Exactly. 
I never said it was. It has lush. a very different <laughs> flavor than I've ever tasted. Yeah, we can play what's in a glass and get into it. I, w- I don't think I would ever blind this. Hmm. Oh no! Well, yeah, this would be so hard to no blind. No one's taste. ever going to blind since so. Thank God. Yeah. I mean, I take that back because the Wine Spirit <laughs> Educational Trust can blind you on anything they want to, but I don't think the court would. It should just be illegal for them to do that. Yeah. Okay. I vote that we give it some time hmm. to swirl and stuff and yeah, play. we'll play what's in a glass in a minute. Uh, in a minute. But um, first, let's find out what your situation with wine is. Yeah, what's your situation? You've got parents that like wine. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I like wine just fine. I don't know that much about it. <laughs> That's okay. Um, <laughs> but I did used to live in France, and I lived in Alsace, oh. so I'm familiar oh with Gibert Straminer oh and Colmar, yeah. and I yeah. visited the winery there. Oh, my gosh. And uh, all the Alsatian wines. Oh, God, lucky girl. Such uh-huh. good wine. So yeah. You're, and you're also familiar with, like, Jura and I don't know those. Those are just, like, what, south there. of Alsace, but... Yeah. Um, that's very exciting to me. I've never been... So what were you well, doing? it's a lovely place to go. I was studying there. Ah. Oh. I was going to university there, so we drank a lot of it. <laughs> a lot. A lot of it. And we enjoyed it. And But I like all kinds. I mean, I, I go back and forth with it. I wouldn't call myself a wine aficionado, mm-hmm. but I enjoy it. And I was impressed that you cited Grenache Blanc as being a I favorite. I do like a Grenache Blanc. Most, yeah. uh, you don't see a lot of it, so I was, no. like, I was like, she knows something about wine. There used, I used to live in D.C. That's the area that I'm from, and there is a bunch of wine bars there, but there used to be yeah. one around the corner from where I used to live in Adams Morgan, and it was a lovely wine bar. It was very similar to this. Oh, cool. Uh, their approach to serving was different, but the sensibilities and the thoughtfulness of the menu mm-hmm. were very similar. So, and I first discovered Grenache Blanc there and it was just accidental. And I thought, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> it's clean. Delicious. It's, it's fruity, but like very balanced uh-huh. and you can eat it with, well, you can drink it with almost anything really because of that. Mm-hmm. It's very versatile. Texturalized, texturally wise, I would think of it and as being lush. And for a white, yeah. Yeah. it's great because I wasn't really into Chardonnays and I didn't want something too wet and it has a, a, enough dryness to it and enough flavor that it's just very yeah. sippable. Mm. Yeah. I like a good Grenache Blanc. Love a Grenache Blanc. Yeah. But also it sounds like your like introduction to wine was like French style wine was more like European style wine. Yeah, probably. Which I is mean, unusual have... for most people because most people it's more like, you know, Carlo Rossi <laughs> or Boone Strawberry I guess Hill that's or... true. Growing up, well, my mom's family is part Dutch. Oh. And so we have a lot of European relatives and we always had wine in the house. Right. It ah. wasn't like a huge culture, but they enjoyed it and it was present. Yeah. I wasn't particularly interested yeah. in it growing up, but it was there and a normal part of what we drank. I don't remember exactly what we drank, but uh-huh. they were interested in serving good wine. And so, you, and like, and like as a kid, you would like have a sip or whatever and they'd be maybe. like, have a sip or whatever. Yeah. It wasn't, I wasn't indoctrinated like European kids are. Mm-hmm. European kids drink wine. Yeah. It's normal part of Put their a dinner. Little pink in the water. Yeah, 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 I wasn't really that interested in it, but it was certainly part of mealtime and yeah. a regular part. So when I got to France, and that's just what you did, you it wasn't a necessary part of right. the meal and a part of, and not just for tasting, but for ritual sake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was very normative to me. Would they be like, this is a so-and-so, or would it just usually just be wine from that region that you just kind of had, like red or white? Or, or would people make well, a sense of Well, in France, like, you can buy decent wine at the gas station. Oh, so, yeah, so it's exactly, very different. Yeah. I mean, you can go to the Exxon Mobil, and for seven francs, you could get something <laughs> that was like decent 
in the 90s, <laughs> in the late 90s when I was there. Bringing it back to the franc. Or like, yeah, when there was a franc. <laughs> I, I mean, just dated in, myself. In modern 7-Eleven's no, defense, yeah. I got a really good Charles and Charles rosé you, you can. Huh? You know, but but uh, they have that's decent wine. Yeah. It's not out of reach for people. Yeah. Uh, since it's a normal part of their life, yeah. you know. But there's also, you know, some shit wine too that you can find bad wine anywhere. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just because it's European doesn't mean one. it's good. Uh, good. Thank you for saying that because I think a lot of people are like, well, it's European. It's got to be good. Gotta it's be like, good. No, it's still, it still can be mass produced. Europe is old and slow. You don't trust <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> it's been through some shit. Yeah. It's really you backwards. know, it's not always on its game. No, mm. no. <laughs> it's not like America. We're getting. <laughs> I'm just we're, yeah, we we're really on top of it right now. We're so on top of it. So innovative. Oh my oh. gosh, we are figuring it out. Day we're on top by of the day. wine game. We're on top of the wine game here, you guys. Our wine's gotten better, I must say. Yeah, it's getting better. I mean, people got past the like. It just needs to taste like really sweet grape juice. Yeah, phase. right. Exactly. Yeah. Do you talk about wine in your one woman show? I don't. It has never once come it's up. Never what come is, up. What is There's the no like wine joke of like, well, it's just me and a bottle of wine. Well, there could be. I mean, there is no living room scene as no, in most yeah. one woman shows, but I'm pretty <laughs> much on my feet the whole time. But yeah. <laughs> but now that we're talking about it, maybe there's an opening. There Do you tell be. us? You the don't have to put it in there. I actually just I'm just you know just, just curious. curious. I was just curious. I mean, we can show up and bring wine and just. You well, know, when you, when you look like you're getting thirsty on stage, I'll just kind of like. <laughs> yeah. There are some casual moments where I talk like to the, the audience, uh, so there we go. I do yeah. break aesthetic distance, so it would be perfectly mm. appropriate. Well, you do stand up too, right? Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of in your your DNA. Yeah. Is it a personal life story, or is it yeah, a it is. Yeah. It's called Detour, a show about changing your mind, mm-hmm. and it's about basically the past six years of my life in Los Angeles, Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. how. Um, how many things change over time. I used to be a historian. I was an academic and oh. that's what originally yeah. brought me to Los Angeles because I was working on my PhD in American history. Holy Where, shit. In, yeah. in D.C.? At the University of Minnesota. Oh, okay. And after I passed my exams and wrote my proposal and was sort of advanced candidacy, I had to come to L.A. to finish my research because I was a specialist in Los Angeles cultural history, specifically the performing arts. Wow. So wow. I came out here to complete a series of oral histories uh-huh. with a bunch of the older dancers who had been in the dance company that I was studying. They oh, were all so cool. what company? really aging. The Lester Horton Dance Theater. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. I, Used to do Horton technique. Okay, in so college. you know about it. Well, you should come to the show then because that's what <laughs> oh, it's fuck about. Yeah, I'm gonna get up there and just start like doing the formations. Uh, well, <laughs> my essay in the Rutledge Encyclopedia of Modernism is about Horton. That's yeah. they contacted me to write it because I'm a specialist in Horton history. So, so you like Alvinelli too? Um, I don't know you, you see a lot about Horton that. I or he was trained by Horton. Oh, absolutely, yeah. very important part of Horton history, but. I think because, you know, Horton died so early in yeah. his career in 53 and yeah. Alvin Ailey ended up, you know, exploding in a yeah. political moment where African-American artists were really claiming identity in yeah. all sorts of performing art spaces. Um, Horton's story really got backshelved and also became a part of African-American dance history yeah. in a very strange way because Horton was white. Well, that's how and I learned because I was yeah. taking a, a African-American dance history 
dance class and we were hearing all the stuff about Horton and, and when it came to do my thesis at first I like pitched Horton and, and then our teacher was like oh I haven't told you yet he was white though <laughs> I'm like oh shit yeah Oops. I didn't realize that because I always say that Horton was caught in a black wash and it's an anachronistic ahistorical yeah. understanding of who he is if you want to get into some yeah. deep history folks yeah, <laughs> sorry history. we just went down the modern dance yeah. uh, rabbit hole here but that's but you came here to, to yeah to wrap up that project yeah. and while I was doing that, things got really tough. Like I became very isolated and I was, had been working by the time I had gotten, uh, started my PhD. I had already been working on this project for like seven years. Like I started researching it and working on it and writing about it and doing shows about it for many years before I went into academia. And by that time, things had just, are you a dancer too? I was. Yeah. Okay, cool. I was a dancer and I have to dance in the show, which is just terrifying. Fantastic. <laughs> I need this wine right now. We need to go to dance class together. <laughs> I refuse. Uh, oh, okay. I just never mind. Until Ellen was like, fantastic. At the same time, you're like, terrified. <laughs> yeah, terrified. I'm more mortified to move my body in front of people. It's been so long. Uh, but but you when I got here, I think, yes. I mean, I think it helps to explain it. Yeah, I think one of the reasons sure. that made the academics very difficult is that I kept bumping into a wall about how I was supposed to explain how important and powerful all of this work in dance was without showing it because there's very little Mm. video archive of Horton Um, and it became just more and more hard to describe it on paper and there wasn't as much as I could there wasn't much material I could show so I'd talk and talk and talk but it really wouldn't work and then I would get frustrated and I felt like these ideas that Horton had and the things that really made me passionate about this history needed to come to life off of the page so I was really struggling to write and like my whole life was falling apart while I was here I was holding a -a weepathon in my apartment every day and then I was like I can't write about this anymore this This is making me nuts yeah I was almost finished and then I quit and became a comedian Whoa. Yeah, so major detour. Finish, yeah, yeah. So you didn't finish. <laughs> no, I left it unfinished and I did not plan on doing that either. And then my life just went like, it, I mean, it was it's just went off the map such for a years. Because wow. Horton to me is like the most similar thing to ballet in the terms that there's very proper right and wrong. And That's so, to so jump into interesting comedy that you say that because Horton isn't like that at all. Where'd but you it, learn it though? Well, I learned just like, we learned like, what are they called? The fortifications. And that the, doesn't exist in Horton. That was made up later. Oh, Ellen, we got to see the show. Oh my God. Well, I got to tell you that when, well, like any, like any art or like any story, right? It changes the more you tell it. It it becomes a kind of folklore, right? So every time the technique is taught or passed down to another teacher or it moves, something changes in it. And that's not a bad thing. That's okay because you have to adapt. But what we have now is a very watered down, structured, disciplined version of Horton that he did not make. That was not his language. Oh. So he didn't so like write it like a, like a He codified the lexicon. technique, meaning their what we would call movement vocabulary. Yeah, that's what I learned. And those the things move, but he didn't name them Fortification 1 and okay. Prelude 2 or okay. Prelude 3. Totally remember that. Those aren't his titles. Okay. Those things but were... But they do represent sort of his style, yeah? It's Sorry. Really, <laughs> at this point, it's really hard to say. Oh my God. Because it's been remade so many times, and at the Ailey School, they had a particular focus yeah. and an intention, so everything got yeah. remade under their vision. And Horton really was his own artist. Yeah. So a little bit of Horton well, gets what lost. what he did is wildly different than every other modern dancer out there so to me. Different so different, because he stayed in California, yeah. and he did that because there was less tradition, and there was more freedom, and he could do whatever he wanted, and he had his own 
school and his own theater. And it was racially integrated in the 40s. And he was doing so much innovative stuff that people Crazy. don't even know about because he was all the way out here. Yeah. And by the time modern dance exploded in the mid 20th century, most of the people who were doing it were in New York, except for him. <laughs> so it was a he's a he's a really interesting case to yeah. look at. But the long story short, that's why I came yeah, to LA. Yeah, yeah. And now comedy. And now <laughs> Where um, was this theater in LA? Melrose Avenue, seven five six six, so West Hollywood. Wow. I feel like I met someone who is this told me that, do they have company classes? No. Nah, not anymore. Didn't think There's, so. nothing There's nothing now there. Now it's a clothing shop. Uh, yeah. At once it was a porn store. Like ah, it's yeah. been it's been remade into lots and lots of things. And ironically, you know, there's not much Horton technique here anymore. Yeah. But I haven't run across it. Los Angeles doesn't hold things. It no. is constantly revising. It really does. Everything so, contemporary dance, modern dance. Yeah, yeah everything. It's also it. watery. <laughs> you don't know what's what, and, yeah. and maybe yeah. that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, things changed quite a bit yeah. after I decided to leave academia, and I really missed being an artist. I had been a dancer. That's what drove me yeah. into my studies, and I realized that I had, I kind of had an unsung song. Yeah. And I woke up to that in a very painful way, Whoa, as yeah. most people do in L.A., because it's, you know, the best city to hit bottom in. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, built for bottoming shoot. out. Uh, <laughs> just scraping along. Yeah, and I just realized I had to make some changes, and I had to start writing about my own life instead of Horton's life, and I had to yeah. explore what life would be like if I had become fully self-expressed as an artist, and mm. then I recommitted to doing that, and that's... Wow sort of how I found comedy and essay writing and monologues and then this one person show. That's it's so been great. That's so exciting. I, I love having like a historian here to ask questions to you. Yeah. Like, you're like, I'm like, I'm like, I wonder what that theater is now. You're like, it's a clothing shop. <laughs> you're like, you know exactly. Mm -hmm. So you have such a great foundation of like real life, real life and yeah. knowledge and history, which I feel like a lot of people who are you know, coming out here and don't. <laughs> and I think there's just sort of like, well, I don't need to learn anything about the past or anything about what came before because mm -hmm. I'm here now. There's a certain sort of, you know, bravado that will, that does lend itself to being successful, but it's really about learning what came before and what this is like and what you're building on and what your expression is yeah, in relation I agree with to what came you just before. Said. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think a lot of that it's, it's similar with wine too. I think I there's a lot the natural wine community. Yeah. There's days. a lot happening in wine right there's now. A lot of people coming out and thinking, I just need to not use sulfur and let make some wine and not looking at the history. So it's like, yeah, well, important. There's a reason how is history why. valuable. And this is something that I had to think about for a while as I was moving out of that field because it started to become less valuable to me, yeah. but it still serves me. In oh a lot yeah. Of ways. Oh, for sure. So, you know, history is the study of change over time. And if you're going to make wine, you should know how something changes over time. Oh. If you're going to make anything. Mm -hmm. But it's also the study of patterns. It's the study of what stays the same. It's the study of origins and causality. Yeah. All these very broad things that you can locate in various different modes of production in American society. Yeah. Making wine is one of them. Yeah, totally. What are some examples of things that stay the same in history that you can think of? Patriarchy. Really? <gasps> you think no matter <sighs> what, even with like me to like... I mean, I, I would agree with you that we've been through, this is like my, the third women's movement in the past 50 years. And how much actually changes Fourth. when you yeah, talk how to much really I don't know. I mean, I, mean I only mention, I mention that because it's so front of mind, but yeah. also because it is so, so deeply rooted. Now, right. things do change. Policy changes, mm -hmm. yeah. behaviors change, ideas change. Right, right. But there's this sort of magnetic pull toward a pattern of dominance in Western culture. Mm. And I talk a little bit about this in the show. And a lot of the questions that I'm 
asking and then on the conversations that I'm having with my peers right now is like, what is actually changing and what is staying the same? Because historians by trade, we look at what changes. We take a big chunk of time. Like for example, I was looking at 1930 through 1960 and I was trying to look at the cultural shifts during that time before the war, after the war, what's changing in our ideas about other people and about art. And can we use dance to track those changes? Now, But if you don't look at change and you look at what stays the same over the same period of time, that will tell you what the priorities are in culture. Hmm. So I think oftentimes historians are so obsessed with change, they yeah. forget to look at the patterns of sameness. Of sameness, mm-hmm. yeah. Because that's what people are keep going back to. Right, and that like, tells you Those what, are their touchstones. Those exactly, are their where the hierarchies yeah. are and how power works. Totally. Oh my goodness. That is crazy. Aren't you glad we're having a glass of wine for this yeah. conversation? Yeah, for sure. Holy Rather. moly. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. See, now I'm trying to think of other things that no. I think would be. Well, I'm just thinking of all the places where men still, although things change, it still feels like men somehow have a higher position, like comedy and wine. Yeah. Uh, but you brought yeah. up like a really interesting point. You said yeah. Western culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like that to me, because it's about asserting dominance, it's about forging your way, it's mm-hmm. about new frontiers, and that there is this sort of almost animalistic thing where I feel like men are the ones that they put out to go do those things mm-hmm. and to forge that way. And it's so ingrained in our Western culture that there's almost no way to extricate yourself from that and to it's change It's very that. difficult. Because it's just fundamentally not the female role. Is that, is that, is that your point? Well, or it's sort of, but the us. reason that it's so hard to change is because it's embodied. Right. So it's yeah. not yeah. just yeah. a way of thinking. It's yeah. a way of bodily being in uh. the world. And women can be patriarchal too. Yeah, totally. Women enact patriarchy oh, all the time. Oh. It's about, when we talk about patriarchy, what we're talking about is a certain kind of relationship, mm-hmm. right? And just like there is, I mean, we're talking a lot more about gender mm-hmm. and gender identity than we used to. And we're talking about it as a spectrum and a shift. And, you know, men can be feminine and they can be effeminate mm-hmm. and they can have all these gender terms applied to them. Women can be the opposite of those things and yeah. still identify as female, but not necessarily identify as feminine. Mm-hmm. I think that's very confusing for a lot of people, particularly of the baby boomer generation and up. Um, Obviously, the answer to fix this problem is for them to die. Oh, I mean, (laughs) fabulous. We just have to wait for for them to leave. (laughs) I mean, as a. I mean, they really can't wrap their minds around it. Yeah. As someone yeah, who well, identifies as a feminine bro. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And, you, and you're allowed to be that, yeah. right? You're allowed to have that identification. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to, to tie this back in, there are some things about patriarchy that will not change. But if you have generations and generations of people who are more accepting yeah. of the flexibility of your identification and they can find a way to connect with other people without being dominant, mm-hmm. I think the patriarchy starts to slip away a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to get rid of everything about it, but we need to weaken it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it can only be used for certain things. And right, what we right, want right. now in like a conscious, evolving society is what's useful. Yes. What's useful to us about patriarchy? What's yeah. useful to us about masculinity and feminine? It's hard because sometimes you wonder, is it better to sort of start your own new thing that could become dominant? Or is it better to try and insinuate more? Like, I guess I'm just thinking in my mind right now, yeah. the quartermaster sommeliers. It's a 
big old big dick fest, like Absolutely. big dick attitude yeah. fest. And all about and, like and expertise I'm like, and yeah, prowess. And there's like us women, like I look around, there's not a lot of us women in the wine scene. And I'm like, we need to get in there and we need to become master psalms too. And like, cause there's like 20 something women in this, in the whole world <laughs> as opposed to the what, like 200, 300 something men worldwide. And, and, but then I'm like, maybe is it, is it better? Should we be trying to do our own thing? Because we don't need to be a part of that nasty. I mean, no, I'm not saying the court is nasty, but we don't. Do we? What do do it we? Can be do we want to be part of that? It can be a hostile environment. Yeah. I and then I, this and is I a great do right now. This I'm is a like, great I question. Be in there. I, mean, I think people in television writing are asking the yeah, same questions, too. or any any mode of cultural production. People are asking like, what are the consequences of breaking off and creating community? Right. Because there's a certain amount of isolation and separation in that. And the problem with patriarchy is that it creates more separateness and divisiveness, mm. right? But at the same time, you want to create your own space. That's how right. new things emerge. Yeah. And you, sometimes you can't create those things unless you separate. Yeah. And you yeah. figure out what's possible for you outside of the constraints of the current dominant structure. Which is kind of what you did with when, by moving out here and taking yeah. a detour. You're like, wait a minute, I need to figure yeah. this out And it wasn't myself. conscious at all. Yeah. I did not know what was going to happen when I got here. Yeah. It was very surprising. <laughs> like you're very destabilizing. This. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit, this applies to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was looking for me the yeah. whole time. Oh. <laughs> She was in LA. The, the teacher becomes the student. It is, it is the truest cliche. Uh, no, it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense, though. Yeah, it's well, funny. Namaste, my child. Namaste. I know. Thank you. Namaste. I don't know why. Down with the patriarchy? No. Change well, the yeah, patriarchy? yeah. I mean, why not down with it? I yeah. mean, we can have other things. It's like, yeah. you guys... Society will hold itself together without patriarchy. We're going to be okay. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. There will still be a place for men and women and everybody who identifies as they, them, and theirs and everything else. Right. It's okay. There's or enough room for everyone. We'll all There's kill each other room. with uh, global warming first. But we'll Yeah, see. I mean, the earth is burning. Yeah. The earth is burning, you so guys. So we may not have to worry about it. <laughs> Maybe not. I mean, our lifetime is, Paris is, burning. is a struggle. You know, because we're yeah. going to watch all this. Yeah, I know. We're, we're going to see it happen. It's a very, I mean, we're in a very painful stage of growth, I think. Yeah. In our cultural development. I think so. As a country. As a world. But it's an it's an evolutionary imperative, in my opinion. I think so. I think it needs, it needs to happen. It needs to happen. It, it, and the messiness of it, the chaos of it. I mean, it's it's frightening, you know, but it's. I think it's absolutely necessary oh, no, for it to happen this way. Close your eyes and turn away. Yeah, Forever. and a lot of people want to do that. Yeah. They want to hide out in their little holes and keep things oh, the right. way they are. Right. Preppers. <laughs> I was writing and I thought, you know, some people, there's a lot of nostalgia about the past. And it's just completely naive. The past oh, was completely. no no better. Rosy, no, you know, rose glasses. pretty bad, I can tell you, as someone who's studied a lot of American history. Uh -huh. We do not want to go back. Oh, yeah. no. But people who <laughs> pine for the past, what they, what they, you know, when men were men and women were women... Yeah. I'm like, you mean when, when men were empowered and women were sad and everyone was trapped? Yeah. And you want to go back there? And people just drank all the time. Yeah, they just yeah. drank themselves yeah. away. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? I mean, come on. Uh, they're just pouring giant glasses of like scotch. Yeah. <laughs> just to get by. And what did she do? She found a room of her own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a very good essay. I'm a fan of it. It is a good one. It's also I like it too. the reason why I'm so single. No. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I can, I, I feel that you need a space of your own that I feel like a lot of times when people get in relationships, they don't keep. Or I'm they glad don't you brought to. this up because I love this topic. Yeah. <laughs> 
I need a lot of space. Yeah, me too. I needed at least a room that is fully my, I'm a cat, basically, yeah. who needs my territory and it needs to be safe and it needs to be my place. Like and when you're in literally a relationship. physically space. Yeah. yeah. Physical um, space translates space. to other things, you know, yeah. and it's like you need your own space to belong to yourself. And when you're in a relationship, you are connecting with another person. You want to be connected. You want to share. I'm, you know, I'll be the first to admit sometimes I don't want to share. No. Sometimes mm-hmm. I don't want to share my time. I no. got stuff I need to think about and do, and I just want my own space to do it in. This is why I usually only date like other workaholic Virgos. Yeah. Like, are you also a Virgo? Buddy? I'm a Sagittarius. Oh, okay. Ooh, saggy. What are you, Sean? I'm yeah. a Capricorn on the cusp of Aquarius. Oh, see, I'm on the cusp of Scorpio and Sag. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like right on the day. But cool. I don't know. I, I'm probably more of a Capricorn People than People on the Aquarius. cusp always vacillate. I'm close yeah. to Leo, but I think definitely a Virgo. Yeah. yeah. But I know I definitely I definitely need my own space too. Yeah. I like my own space. Yeah. You you have a nice house for space, although you are sharing kind of, it. Yeah. Yeah. My boyfriend's um not working right now, so it's kind of like <gasps> kinda of crowded in there. Yeah. I'm like, get the fuck away from me. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> Just you know, not like because it's just I've never like, lived with I, anyone. I mean no, Well it's n- a not, real not treat. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I do dream of having someone to bake cookies for. Oh well, good for you, Al. <laughs> Must be nice over there. No, I've lived with people before I've never a relationship oh, I'm just kidding it's totally yeah. different yeah. you know yeah. I have lived with one romantic partner and I did enjoy it yeah. I did like living with him yeah. and I found him I think he was pretty easy to live with mm-hmm. I thought I was easy to live with but you'd have to ask and him I don't know he's gone most of the time <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it depends I mean I've had roommates for a long time I lived alone for like six six and a half years yeah. so I've definitely done both and both of them have advantages and disadvantages to be honest. You're, I find that the difference is like when you live with somebody, when you're in a relationship, your rhythm is different yeah. in your yeah. life. Yeah. You yeah. know, and meal times are kind of way <laughs> more structured. I feel like it's harder yeah. to get stuff done when I'm and in consu- relationships. Like you're both consuming similar things yeah. because yeah. you're sharing resources and it like changes the flow of how you live. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes for the better, you're like, oh, I wouldn't have gotten oh, yeah. up this early to like it's do nice. this thing. You're like, oh, now I got this this other thing. It's done. nice to sit down and have a meal with someone. Oh, yeah. It's nice to come home from work and you know vent about your day. Those are it's nice those to things have are very to open a yeah. bottle of wine with. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. very pleasurable. No, and then sometimes it's like get the fuck out, <laughs> leave. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I really admire. There's your I've, face I've heard again? of some famous relationships where they've got like apartments across the hall from each other. So they like oh, really. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, totally I'm like into I, that. if I could do that, I would. A lot of academics do that. A lot of academic partners. Oh. Yeah, I used to know well, somebody. A lot who of them had just live separately because they're duplex. at different universities. That's true. Yeah. Too, I have friends which, in that, which I, I feel bad for. They're like, I think that's a great situation for well, me. Well, they hate it because they're like across the country from each oh, other. Yeah, but, but some no, people that works really well. I that's what I want in life. <laughs> I just think it's essential to have your own toilet. I mean, if you want uh-huh. to save that relationship, you got to have two sinks and two yeah, toilets. That's so true. Yeah. That's the key. It's so true. Should we play a little What's in the yeah, Glass? Yeah. Let's talk about wine for a minute. Speaking of things always better shared. Right. There's something on the nose about this wine. Like, it goes away after a while, but something very, like... It's grapeier now. To it's me. Grapeier. It's some, got yeah. sort of a Riesling-esque gassiness mm. on the nose, like that little bit of petrol. Yeah. I didn't know what the word was for that, but that's what you call it. Uh, like petrol, yeah, I petrol. Oh, it's softer yeah. now. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm definitely getting like a matchstick thing still a little bit on the nose. Yeah, yeah. But it's not, not doesn't feel. It doesn't like, taste bad. Though. There's an acidity when I smell it. Oh, yeah. And then when I taste it. It, it tastes more fruity and spicy. Yeah. 
and it changes on your tongue. Yeah. Is there a term for that? It, it, it's more just about like what shows up on the nose and okay. doesn't show up on your palate. And what shows up where on the palate? Like, yeah. I don't know. We'll go through what's in the glass. We okay. look at it. Um, look at it. In this brilliant light. I mean, it's a fairly translucent Very one. Very cherry. Which points to thin skin. Thin skin. Since um, so. Legs are probably like medium yeah. to light, I would say. And probably alcohol is probably like mm, 12 or 13. Something How do you like know that? that? Thicker legs mean more alcohol usually. Okay. Yeah. Thinner means less or at least less sugar because both things can give it more legs. But I, this is a dry wine, so there's Okay, not and sugar. I, it's dry because... I mean, there's no, I noticed there's no like residue or like there's no extra liquid or sugar in the glass when you move it around. Uh-huh. You know how some are just more syrupy? Yeah, I mean, that can be alcohol. Okay. It can be sugar, but it's more likely probably to be alcohol. Okay. Yeah. But some wines have more residual sugar than others. That's true. This one's pretty damn dry, though. On the nose, we get aforementioned petrol. <laughs> petrol. A little bit of baking spices. Like, yeah, I get that baking spice. Like allspice or something. Maybe nutmeg even. I like a really ripe cherry skin. Yeah. Like almost like a little cranberry, not cranberry sauce, but like mm-hmm. cooked cranberries. Like. But it does, it has the color of a cranberry sauce out of a can. It's a oh beautiful, my God, you're right. glistening it totally Thanksgiving That's cranberry. That's the best cranberry sauce is that straight up of out of the jar yeah. or out of the can jelly. Yeah, you don't want the gourmet homemade. Well, you I like to have stuff. my, I, I, I always have to have both. I have to have the canned, like the pure jelly, no whole cranberries in the there. Chunky. And then also I make a, I make a bourbon one that's really oh. good. Helen. Bourbon cranberry sauce. That sounds delicious. It's so good. We can make it sometime <laughs> that's not just Thanksgiving. I'm known to do it. Clearly I'm looking forward to the upcoming holidays. This was not on any kind of new oak, was it? I get like almost a little vanilla thing, but I don't think this hung out in new oak. I get a, Did it? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe for like a month. Maybe just a whisper. Uh, okay, a let's whisper about taste, it. taste it. As we said, dry. Not really high acid, though. It's light. It's yeah. very light. Medium acid? It's very gluppable, you might say. Gluppable. It looks like gulp, you guys. And I swear to God, I thought it was gulp. I know. Gulp. I thought it said gulp. Uh, yeah. Glup. That's why glup. I thought about Kool-Aid. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, like, <laughs> like, like the Kool-Aid man. Yeah. Speaking of down with the patriarchy. <laughs> just busting through just busting walls through telling walls. people what, what to drink. drink. Yeah, like, Jesus here, have some red number nine and sugar. Ugh. Ugh. I mean, Kool-Aid Kool-Aid's man. also delicious. but So, yeah, acid mm. isn't too high, I don't think. Alcohol is, oh, we're all going to guess. I, I feel like it's 11.5. It's oh, not high. I, I think it could be 12. I think it's in the 12s. I'm going to say 12.5. Diana, are you looking? Do, 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 do. Diana, it's 12.5. Oh, damn. Oh, my. On Good job. Thank you. Give a high five. Picked it out of the thing. <laughs> I want the alcohol content contest. How do you even know that? Well, I guess you just drink a lot of it. Right, so you and know. you gauge like where it burns Sorry, in I'm your throat. Oh, okay. <laughs> where it burns. I was having a song. Yeah, where it, where it burns. And if it burns just higher up, it's probably lower. So probably, I mean... If it's slightly sweet and has a lot of residual sugar, you're like, it's not high alcohol at all. Cause they yeah, didn't I mean, this off. doesn't have a much burn. No, it doesn't. No, yeah. It goes and down it's got pretty a little easy. bit of bite. Yeah. And sometimes you can confuse. And 12.5 is kind of in the middle. Yeah, it's in the middle. It's in the middle. And okay. sometimes yeah. It's acid, on the lower end of middle. Acidity and alcohol can be kind of confused. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But acidity will make your salivary glands kind of like squeeze. Okay. 
And alcohol will be like a level of like warmth down mm, like yeah. your throat. Okay. The further it burns, the higher it probably Like is. when you take a shot of like whiskey, it's like, whew. Yeah. Right. Think High alcohol. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. That's how you do Whiskey that. tastes like nail polish remover to me. Really? Yeah. All of it? Well, unless it's like a 200 aged bourbon, that tastes nice. Yeah. It's funny how that works. But like Maker's Mark, I can't drink it. Oh, really? Even Bullet, I, I can't me, drink even it. That's a bourbon that to me is like, oh, that's fairly friendly bourbon. Yeah, friendly. For people who love Sugary. bourbon, it is. Yeah. For me, mm-mm. Mm. I like something softer. I feel like you would like a Grand Solera, Grand Reserva Solera brandy from Ooh. from Jerez. Like those Maybe. are those are yummy. They're like I have to say, my taste level is way above my pay grade. So oh, me too. Yeah, <laughs> if you give me like the bottles to taste, and I don't know what they are, I'll pick the most expensive oh, one. Same, yeah, yeah. I Usually understand I, that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I like this one. They're like, yeah, of course that you do. Yeah, me. everyone likes this one. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why everyone likes yeah. it. I feel like that happens with me with clothes, too. I oh, pick, completely. I will, I will be looking, and whatever yeah. ends up being the most expensive sweater, I'm like, oh, that's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. I like Same. the good well, material. Well, for design and line and cut. We just have good taste, basically. Yeah, sophisticated taste. Yeah. Well, it's also you just appreciate craftsmanship. Yeah. And, you know, care usually takes time, and therefore the cost goes up, so when you... Like, oh, someone took a lot of time and care into this thing. And then, of course, it's going to cost more money. Yeah. So speaking of taste, actual flavors we're tasting in this. There's like a bit of blackberry juice. It's like cherry juice. Blackberry juice. I don't know. There's something that makes me think of blackberries for some reason. But mostly cherries. Yeah, you're stuck on blackberries. There's something Uh, a little tart in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like I'm I'm really coming back to cranberry. Cranberry feels really good. Like cranberry skins. Yeah. It's it's, It's a... it's hard to explain. It's, it's cranberry not without the tartness. Fruity, yeah. But you know that it's made from a fruit. It's a subtle fruity flavor. Yeah. But it's actually quite blended. You know, there's. Yeah. I don't feel like there's anything that just like jumps out. Jumps, jumps out, out at you. Yeah. But this does like this is like a piccolo kind of. It's not really mm. like a flute. There's a higher. <laughs> note. Okay, I think I get that. I'm not you know good with I mean? my wind instruments. Piccolos are smaller. They're smaller. They do stand out. They're very hard to get in sync. They're very hard to get in sync. And they're very, and and they exist on like a higher plane than like a bass flute. Okay. Like you mean higher tones? Yes. This is a higher tone. This is a high tone. This is a high tone. Yeah, it doesn't have a deep. There's like a. Yes. 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 That's exactly what it is. If this wine were a sound. Yeah. That's that's what it is. Yeah. So Mozart. Onomatopoeia. That's probably where they get the name from, actually. It's onomatopoeia. (laughs) Probably. It's an onomatopoetic wine. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I enjoy it, though. This would actually be good chilled, too. This would be really good chilled. Yeah. Yeah. Piccolo wines are also good chilled to me. I like to put like a high. I think we need to. Oh, Valle de Itata. So that's uh, more in southern Chile, I believe, right? Go, Ellen. I think. Yeah. I'm trying to picture on. That's the, right. Which would mean it's cooler. Uh huh. It's growing on me. I will say that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't I'm like it on first it more. Oh, you guys did. I liked it. I didn't dislike I it. it I just more, didn't like it. <laughs> I thought it was more interesting than enjoyable, and now uh-huh. I'm starting to enjoy it. Yeah. Gloop yeah. yeah. so comes from the Valle. Of, oh, well, in English. I would Valley never guess it was from Chile, though. Uh, I agree. Yeah. This is same. not a typical Chilean wine yeah. at all. Because pretty much Chile, like, if you're if you're going to get a Carmenere from Fermented Chile. Fermented and aged in old concrete. Okay, no oak. Sorry, old go concrete. 
without control temperature. Ooh, they're playing with fire. Yeah, but they got that. Native yeast. Ooh. Ooh. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. The I was native. like, that's native yeast. I, I can the taste native it. Yeast. Soft tannins with good acidity that bring uh, freshness as a long finish. Have I we, agree with that. Yeah. Give it freshness. Yeah. I haven't analyzed the finish yet. It's a 2017. It's pretty fresh. Keep it fresh. I don't know that I'd give the finish long, long. but it's pleasant. It's pleasant. Yeah, this is not a typical Chilean wine, no. you guys. Everyone listening, if you want to buy a good Chilean wine, I think wine, this is just cool buy climate. A Carmenere. Just buy uh, a Carmenere. 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 Okay. Carmenere. If you it's want delicious. to taste green peppers and leather. Oh, I get green peppers from Cabernet Sauvignon from Chile. Well, yeah, that too. But I both think, those grapes have it. I think, yeah, but I, I, I think they're both I, descended from Cabernet Franc. Yeah, okay. I would agree with you. <laughs> I have a question about yeah. this, okay. about tasting the wines. When people taste wine and they attribute flavors that are not possibly in this bottle. Right. Of course. Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> I mean, people can just say anything. They're like, it tastes like Asian pear or it tastes like well, green pepper. I'm like, how could this possibly seem like green pepper? Really? Wow. Have you had Cabernet Franc recently? No. That's why wine's kind of crazy. Okay. Yeah. That's why, like, that's why there's such a thing around wine. Yeah. Because of that. Because it's mean, just really from grapes. We do. Yeah, that it's just is, from grapes. How are yeah. we getting all these well, flavors? Well, it's from grapes. Exactly. It's from yeast. It's from, uh, in, if it's wine from Australia, literally, it's from the eucalyptus oil that's flying the through air. the air and landing on the grape. Um, it's from the oak. It's from a lot of things besides. In the environment in which the fruit grows. Yeah, but there's only, but there's a limited number of uh, flavor compounds fruits. in the world that can be created. So um, yeah. some of them end up in wine and we just attribute them to where we know them coming from. Okay, so we associate them with what is familiar. Yeah, I think so. Yes, because, it, oh, I read about recently trying to, um, some of the wine educational courses that are based out of, say, England, and trying to teach people who grew up in China, say, or somewhere where they do not have those flavor references, and to teach them, or to try see, and figure out. Yeah, and whether oh, they, yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. decide whether they should look for ones in that, or whether they just need to taste a bunch of American and British food, and, or your yeah, so, so then they can speak to it, yeah. Yeah, or then there are spices, though, like star anise that are not that we now readily associate with wines here. So it's like the, the vocabulary is growing worldwide, but it is harder if someone has not grown up tasting whatever to for them to go. Oh, we do as wine people will go out and go out of our way to like taste and smell things so that we like build a vocabulary, but. Mm-hmm. But there's not a lot of like single ingredients that can evoke so many different flavors. Yeah, like, true. I guess that's kind of my that's point. True. Is that oh, okay, like, uh, no, I see what you're you know saying. What I mean? Yeah, like, eggs kind of always taste like eggs, right? A lot of wine. I mean, like yeah, you, you can. I mean, even scrambled eggs, omelets, <laughs> sunny side, over medium. You know, like basted. I can go crazy, but like it's pretty much an egg. Yeah, you're not gonna be like, oh, this egg tastes like cranberry, oh, and this yeah. egg tastes no, like a no, plum. Whereas right. chicken. Could taste like anything <laughs> you put on it. Right, but by itself, yeah. And I guess, and grapes are kind of the same. Like, you, you can, like, where it's grown, how it's grown, yeah. how it's aged, how it's fermented, all these things change the flavor. So, like, that's where it's sort of this mix of nature versus artisan. It's like, like a person. A, it's like a person. Yeah. It's a living thing. Nature it really versus is. nurture, guys. Unless it's, you know, like bulk wine that's pretty much all additives, but like real wine, this is to me mega real purple. wine. Like, yeah, mega purple. You guys don't like the box wine? 
Let's they, just, people are actually making decent box wines. I now. would imagine that there's a market for that. Right. I'm about to get into it for one of my next columns. Actually, <laughs> get into it. No, I pitched them like for Box Day. Why don't I review box wines? I'm not. I went to the grocery store recently and was looking at all the box wines. I'm like, I gotta bring. Why did I agree to this? I gotta bring this all home and taste it. Yeah. But there are some people making pretty, some pretty decent box wines. Some, Part of it's yeah. that the packaging like it looks um, like a blood bag. Yeah, but it keeps the wine fresher longer because <laughs> the oxygen. It does give it life. <laughs> Hook it up to the IV. Just put it in an IV. Yeah, no, there's actually some arm. decent, decent, like acceptable box wines out there. Yeah, but oh, yeah. like well, no, Franzia, if is what okay. you're probably referring yeah. to. Yeah, that's just well, like terra, yeah. That's like not even wine anymore. Yeah, terra packing. I guess is the the that tetra what the tetra pack. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no, like that's kind of like people are using that as like a storing mechanism for bo- for wine, I guess. Yeah. That's technically box wine. But yeah, Franzia is like just full it's of chemicals. Not, yeah. I mean, oh. I don't know. I kind of, in part of my, I'm looking forward to in part of my investigation for this upcoming column, I'm like, I'm definitely going to buy some pink Franzia because that's actually the first wine I remember drinking yeah. of wine like when I was 15. Do it. Yeah. Just see how it holds up. It's um, not gonna be good. Just so you know, my dad puts it on ice with a lot of ice, mm. and then he gets fresh lemons. I mean, that's and delicious. He squeezes the lemons in. If you put a little lemon or lime in it's anything, it tastes lemonade. good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It's probably the acid balances of that sugar. Pretty much. Yeah. He's like, no, your dad, your dad artisan. knows how to make a cocktail. Then yeah. <laughs> that's a nice little uh, poolside <laughs> drink. I know. Yeah. Right? Loves it. Great with burgers. Great with burgers, you know, and the hot out. It's very refreshing. Yeah. What type of Franzia does he get? Like, I think he does not get the rose. He gets the white. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I've had that. That of all the ones I had That's that even recently. Worse. <laughs> no, the red is white the most Franzia. disgusting. Is I the think. red the worst? Well, it just I tastes agree. like gloopy. Yeah. I, that I I have had the red and the white. It's recently like syrupy at improv shows, <laughs> and they're yeah. like, try Cheap the wine, Ellen, just like to goad me are you getting and you're more like sen- yes yeah. and i hate it yeah. yeah are you getting more sensitive about mega purple i'm getting more sensitive to it because sometimes i'm like i suspect there's mega purple in this yeah wine. i think What's there's that? My, it's this thing they add to give a wine more color and more body and more uh, fruitiness and it goes in a lot of bulk bulk wine, wine. and you will never know there's no way unless you independently because test they don't it. have to put it on the label I mean, the good news is that it actually does come from grapes, but it's like, it's been modified. But why do they need to do that? I mean, why can't wine just look the way it's supposed to look? Because they want to make something that's very simple and appeals to a generic palate who doesn't... Who likes the idea of wine, but actually doesn't care what it is. Well, they just want it to be heavy, fruity, sugary, basically. Because people drink a lot of soda, so they want that in alcohol, Right, so it's like people who go on cruise vacations. Absolutely. That's the demographic Mm -hmm. for that wine. I got it. Like this wine would, they're like, this isn't what, this is so thin. This yeah. isn't like, but we appreciate the nuance of this and all the different flavor aspects that come out of this wine. It's an experience. It's yeah. an experience. And it's like 12.5 is a totally acceptable alcohol level. Whereas I mean, I'm feeling it. A oh. lot of those wines are like 15, oh. 16%. Oh, okay. Ooh, thing to tell you about. I meant to mention uh, on a past episode. So one of, one of my classes that we had a master psalm teaching who works for not going to name did I I tell you about this before? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I'm not going to name the company. It's a they make high quality wines in uh, up in Northern California and uh, he because you're allowed to be one alcohol percentage off. Yeah. He's like no our Cabernets actually clock in around 13.5 14 but we 
make use of the fact that we can be one percentage off two sites higher because people want a high boozy wine from Northern California. From really, Lignet. yes, he just that so, seems arbitrary. He's so well, uh, he so freely admitted it though. Like just like yeah, we put the fake level on the label because people want it. And it's like wow, but. You have you have no well, soul. Why do people well, yeah. want it? Where does that come from? Because they want to get trashed easier. I yeah. Don't know. Well, they or maybe they see that as a better. Yeah. Quality. Well, mm. I mean, literally, if you look at a lot of wines in both uh, Italy and France, like Bordeaux, there's Bordeaux level wine, and then there Bordeaux Superior doesn't mean it's better. It just means it has a higher alcohol percentage. So some people actually are looking for higher alcohol. I don't know why. Isn't, I like a low alcohol wine. Is, isn't Bordeaux Superior also just like Southernish Bordeaux too? Or no, no? That's, it's, that's it just it means is? it has higher alcohol. Didn't know that. Yeah. Thank you, Ellen. And then same with I think uh, like Chianti Classico Superior. I, it's some thing that makes it sound like it's a higher level, but it literally just means it has higher alcohol. Higher alcohol. It's so bizarre. So, what kind of food would we have with this wine? Oh, good question. Oh. I w- very good question. It's a very good question. I would like a like a light berry salad. I would go I would go with the flavors here. Okay. I was um, thinking salad too. Yeah, and then I, I was thinking about cheese accompaniment. I was oh, thinking just about Indian okra. Mm. Really? Yeah, I yeah. don't know why. That and just, I was thinking maybe I'm like just hungry. That. This would be fine with rich cheeses like mm-hmm. because it they would counterbalance it. Mm-hmm. You know there's some acidity in this and like I don't actually love triple creme cheeses, but they would be nice pairing oh, with this. I do, and it would go great. I think it would go great, yeah. Um, it's a kind of wine that wouldn't, I think, upset any sort of food. It may not what enhance fri- some foods, like a steak, I don't think what it would. What about fried chicken? I don't, I haven't mm. had fried chicken in so long, I don't. No, I mean, I a fried, fried listen, if this don't great. pair with fried chicken, I don't well, want it. I don't want it. If this <laughs> don't get pair with listen, uh, french fries, I don't want it. But, <laughs> and this would go great with fries, but. It's got, yeah. Um, fried, what fried about sauerkraut? Fries. No. Mm. How do you? Oh my god! I'm just gonna throw out yeah. Artichokes. It depends how they're cooked. So I had a friend. We did an experiment recently. We cooked asparagus. Or she's like, let's pair all the things that are they say are hard to pair. So she made. She's like, I'm gonna make artichokes, and this is Shahrazad. But uh, she kind of like I showed up, and she had given them all like fancy sauces and stuff. So if something's like sauced and seasoned, I was like, this isn't a good the best way to compare. I will say, though, from recent experience, I was just like, went through a phase of just eating a lot of cucumbers at home. And Mm. then I was. That's my favorite vegetable. Do not eat a cucumber and then. It's so mild. You can have it with anything. Cool. Good to know. Except for wine. The Uh, bitter seeds make every (gasps) wine taste bitter Uh, as fuck. It will make your wine taste like shit. I did not know that. I recently discovered this because I was eating some cucumbers and I'm like, this is mild. It doesn't. Here's what you do you take the cucumbers, you put them on your face for Uh, a mask, and then you have the wine. Or you eat the cucumbers and then you have a couple sips of the wine to clear your palate and then you drink the wine. And that's it. Yeah. People make such a big deal out of food pairing and you can make great pairings, but. They're not as tragic as people make them I sound mean, like, out to be. What about a yeah. mango and avocado <laughs> salad? Now that I can get into that. I mean, it wouldn't be bad, but that's not the best pairing for a wine like this. I still no. think this would go really well with like some Indian tartar. okra with a lot of cumin in it. I don't know. I had like the chicken, spiciness. In this? I had chicken tiki masala for lunch. That. Yeah, and I this would have been good with that. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. A, and a potato samosa. Yes, oh, yeah. yes. Because the one thing you can't pair with Indian food is like a high tannic wine or yeah. a bitter wine, because that's just like the spices in the food are going to make that wine just like Sharp. blast your tongue. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Drink. Drink. That's our drinking game. 
Oh, sorry. I'm Which I think brings us to our final are we question. I think we are. This, this has been the most amazing conversation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I really can't wait to go see your show. I, I know. I really want to see oh, it. Oh, I'm we'll so talk, excited yeah. to have you, know, you there. Is it Friday, Saturday, Sunday? It's uh, Saturday at 8 p.m. and Sunday at 4 p.m. This Saturday? It's November 10th and sorry, 11th. So 10th two weeks and 11th. Okay, we'll, Mark we'll, your I shouldn't be able to make the 10th or the 11th. Actually, I can make either. So far as I know, I have things Please during come. the day, both mm-hmm. those days. I have a wine festival to go to during the day on the 11th, so maybe I should do that and then come to the. Oh, I think that's a great idea. You'll be idea. nice and loose. Yeah. Come eight, to the festival with me. It'll warm you up for the show. 8 p.m. I with wish. the Lyric Hyperion? Yes. Oh, we're coming. Love it. Um, uh-huh. So, just what's bringing you some joy? What's bringing, what's bringing some, me some joy? You know, Ooh. keeping it light. Great question. While well, you ponder it, where Los can people Angeles find you? That's a pretty, uh, yeah, okay, Cafe Gratitude question. Oh, yeah. Fuck those assholes. Those go motherfuckers. Ahead. Yeah, they charge me four fifty. You for mean Cafe Attitude? Yeah. Ooh, good one. Four fifty for hot water with two mint leaves in it You're as fucking tea. Kidding me. I'm Unacceptable. Kidding. No. I'm not kidding. I, I haven't been there in As a joke, I'm like, how much is this? She's like, four fifty. I'm like, with a straight face, you just said that. I'm like, you know, I have a Vitamix at home. I can puree my own turmeric root. And, anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, where can people find you while you Sorry, ponder this question? Sorry, we just got distracted. <laughs> 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 Eating on Cafe Gratitude. It's pretty distracting. It's but it's very L.A. It's a very L.A. experience. It's such an, I mean, mm, if you want to instigate something, you yeah. just bring up Cafe Gratitude. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's people will get riled up. People have opinions. You can find me on Instagram at DL Dinnerman. That's Dinnerman with one N. And you can find me on Twitter at D Dinnerman. And please go to my website at dianadinnerman.com. I'm on Facebook too. There's not many Diana Dinnermans out there. So yeah. if you type it in yeah. Google, you'll find me. And you have like your show Diana schedule Dinnerman. on your website. I do. All well, of my comedy so shows you guys should and see essay her readings. She's fantastic. Thank you. You are. Thank she's you. fantastic. I can just say that because I've just talked to her for yeah. an hour. But I, I would agree. Thank you so much. Yeah. As a comic and a human being. We're endorsing. We're endorsing. <laughs> Diana oh, it feels good to be validated. Yeah. Uh, do you want to chime in on that joy question? Joy. Or do you want to just joy. say... Well, I have to say... wiggle room to think. <laughs> joy. Here's what brings me joy right now. I'm in. I'm deep in show preparation, which is very stressful for mm-hmm. anyone who's preparing for a milestone. But the fact that I get to spend time on my own words, with my own expression, and I get to do it in the company of people who respect and care about me is really amazing and to make the decision to change career paths when I did and in the way that I did it's very risky and to start reaping some of the benefits of that risk is very joyful yeah absolutely here's to uh seeing the fruits of your labor yeah and just know that like Knowing like, that I mean, I, I know you know this, but like all of what you did before informs so much yeah, of what you're doing. Like now. you wouldn't be here without, without it. it. Yeah. There's nothing like they are not unassociated. They are very no, much. It's amazing how connected it all is, yeah. and it just shows you that you do trust your intuition. Absolutely, that you you have to follow your nose. Yeah. you know, just the same way you do with wines. Same way you pick out a wine. You're like, this smells and <laughs> feels good to me. Yeah. Sniff it I'm out. I'm going with it. Sniff it out. Well, everyone at, everyone at home and in your car and in, your, in the gym. Follow your nose. <laughs> Follow, Follow your, your nose. nose. Cheers, Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Santé. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with my PA. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with men and maids. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with coffee maids. I just drink wine. Give me red, white, or say, Don't touch me, motherfucker. I'm a Somalian. 
has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.